Uh, we set out on a quest to do all of the divisions in Major League Baseball, which seems like a waste of time now, but we are... Going, holy cow, look at that. That guy is really an anomaly. <laughs> well, they don't just hand out the MVP trophy to anybody. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy Impact Today, your podcast for more than just baseball or football. Hopefully we kind of combine all those things, all the fantasy sports. We haven't really talked a lot about basketball. Guys, I don't, I say it almost every time it feels like it's just so hard to put together a podcast about all these different sports when there's no sports going on. It's really thrown a kink in my plans for launching Fantasy Impact today. It just really has. We've done an admirable job, though. I think we've done an admirable job of covering those sports. Yeah, maybe maybe we need to get into uh, to golf or to NASCAR racing so we can cover actual live sports right now. <laughs> we tried we tried the NASCAR thing one time, the NASCAR the fantasy NASCAR stuff, and I quit after I couldn't figure out when the schedule was because they were racing on different days. I thought they only raced on Sundays or maybe Sunday nights, and it just it got really frustrating. I hated quitting. I was I think I was in the lead that year too. I. I I was ready to smoke y'all is what I was ready to do. Yeah. Missing out on some sports, but if you start doing fantasy NASCAR, you just go ahead and count me out. I would rather just kick back and watch some TV. I was going to say that one year we tried that. I think everybody wound up quitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I continued to play, and I think I won that year, so I ranked another pennant right on my wall, Bobby, is what I did. While you guys quit, I just snuck right in there, and I finished first. So you yeah. can try to prove me wrong, all right? You can try to prove me wrong. There has been some breaking news, though, tonight, according to a couple of different reporters, one being Jesse Rogers, who is near and dear to my heart because he covered the Cubs during the World Series year in 2016. But Jesse Rogers is reporting that the MLB proposal to players for salaries, I think this has actually leaked out tonight a little bit. We're doing this on Tuesday night this week. A, a player making $35 million in 2020, that would be his salary, would end up making about $7.8 million this year. This is what the, the owners are, are trying to propose to the union and trying to propose to the players. A player making $10 million would get about $2.9 million, and a player making just $1 million would make about $430,000. And I know that those, those are big numbers to us, but to baseball players, you know, the salaries are what the salaries are. Uh, about 65% of all players make a million dollars or less. Minimum this year is $563,000. That player would make about $262,000 under this new proposal. All right? Now, and, and, and something that Jesse Rogers pointed out, remember that players were advanced some salary, whether they play or not. So when you look at this, there are some players who might be playing for free. I, I, that's the way I kind of took that last line that he put on there. There might be some players that are playing for free if they take a pay cut this drastic that are that's proposed by the owners. I can understand now a little bit looking at these numbers why the players we we talked last time on the on the show about how we want the players just to play and it'd be good for the country. That I can kind of understand why the players are maybe digging their heels in a little bit more now. Some of the bigger contracts are taking a huge hit from this, which, you know, like you're saying, we're still talking about millions and millions of dollars, which to me, 
it now comes down to seeing when I see how big of a hit this is, it comes down to whether or not the numbers that they have thrown out there, the owners have, is it actually to save the game and some of the smaller market teams from going under, or is it selfish reasons by the owners? Because if this is truly to save baseball, you know, if you're worried about some smaller market teams, then I say this is a, this is one season worth taking the cut for, and it hurts, it really does. But if this is just for putting some extra cash in the owners' pockets, so they don't have to give up anything during this time, then I'm kind of mad at the owners now. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping the the same. The same thing. I'm hoping it's not the owners that are looking at their bottom line and you're know, looking at their net worth and saying, no, I can't give up, you know, a billion dollars. I mean, if you got three billion dollars and, you know, you're trying to keep a team afloat, throw some cash in there, throw something in there, liquidate some something and keep your keep your players and your staff and everyone who's working for you afloat for a year, a year. We hope, at least. Well, and that's, I think that's the bigger thing. I, I you know, you guys know I own my, my own small business and I only have, you know, a small amount of employees. It was something I worried about right when the pandemic started, I guess the coronavirus really came into effect here. I was, I was more worried about my players or my players. <laughs> I was worried, I was more worried about my employees than I was necessarily worried about me, but it's all a trickle down effect, you know, like I'm going, okay. What, how, how is this going to work? And so, I, yeah, I, I applied for different loans and stuff just to make sure things were okay and everything's worked out just fine for me, but I'm not dealing in these kind of big numbers. Plus, I still have revenue coming into my business because as a bread man, that's kind of a, a good business to be in. It doesn't ever seem to stop, really. But here's here's something else that happened. The Oakland Athletics have said that they're going to quit paying their minor league players $400 a week at the end of this month. Okay, so this is they're, they're, the minor league players are only getting 400 a week, which is not a tremendous amount of money, especially if your you know minor league affiliation is in Oakland or in California or something that's really expensive to live out there. But they're going to cut that off. And you said that about the owners. There are about 200 players in a minor league system paying each of them $400 a week for July and August is $5,200 per player. To pay every minor leaguer would have cost the Oakland A's a hair over $1 million, Jeff Passan reports. He also says that John Fisher, the owner, is worth an estimated $2 billion. Hmm. Yeah. But I'm saying from an owner's standpoint of a business, you're not looking at just this month or next month. There's some real fears here that there's not going to be any baseball for quite some time. I don't know if the owners are trying to make sure things are going to be okay for them, their families, maybe other employees as well, but... It, it just looks like the possibility for no baseball is getting even closer now. Yeah, but I don't, what I don't understand is how can how can Major League Baseball, especially the owners, be afraid of having no baseball when we have NBA, we have NHL, we have NFL who are looking forward to playing their respective sports. Some even expecting to have crowds in their stadiums. Why is this an issue for MLB and not for these other leagues? That is one thing I would like to know, because like you're saying, if they're trying to make a savings of $1 million in the grand scheme of their entire organization, that's kind of a warning sign, you would think. But like you're saying, the NFL, and I mean, this may be just their statement for now, but they said that they're planning on having 
fans in the stands, and they're not putting any capacity limits until they are told to do so. Does that mean that baseball is being given some different advice, or are they just trying to be more careful? Does NFL not not worried about it? I don't know. But this that is a little bit of a worrying sign. And did you see the statement from Marcus Stroman today? No. He actually tweeted out after the owners submitted their proposal to the players, he tweeted out that the baseball season is looking less and less likely, which I guess means that the Players Association, something in the contract, whether it be the salaries or whether it be more than that, seems like it almost might be at an impasse, something they don't think they'll be able to come to an agreement on, which worries me. Well, regardless of that, uh, we set out on a quest to do all of the divisions in in Major League (laughs) Baseball, which seems like a waste of time now, but we are still going to do that. Coming up here later in the show, we are going to talk about the NL Central, uh, the division that is near and dear to my heart. But I I also saw uh, there was one player who tweeted out and was really concerned about the paycheck going forward, and that was what Bobby Bonilla wondered what he was going to be getting this year with all these pay cuts to Major League Baseball since he is still under contract for the New York Mets. So uh, that's that's always an interesting tidbit to see Bobby Bonilla Day, and I don't know what he will get this year. There, there's another cool report, though. Last show, I think Tim uh, berated. Would that be the right word? I don't know. Uh, and, and Bobby, you, you just played along with me long enough to give me enough rope to hang myself is all you did. Paul Sullivan is reporting that the Cubs owners face a more dire forecast than most of their peers because of the investments that they have in rebuilding Wrigley Field or in in Wrigleyville, the marquee, you know, the rooftops, the redid, all this stuff. So there's a possibility that some of these professional teams might be going for sale, might be might be going on the market for sale in the near future. You know, my plan for owning a major league ball club it is a couple of billion dollars short, but I, I still have got that plan in place. Maybe I'm going to have to find more people to invest in that. It, I, like I said, you, you gave me enough rope to hang myself, and you kind of convinced me that I was well short of that. But maybe there's some minor league ball clubs that I can invest in. Well, you got to remember, a lot of the minor league clubs are getting cut. Uh, that's true. So there's going to be fewer minor league clubs to, uh, to, to own. Right. So they might become more valuable now. I could I could get one that's that's going under, and I could get one that that needs somebody to buy them, just like drive-in theaters. Minor league ball clubs could come back someday. All right, guys, let's get into this National League Central. As as always, I'm putting the I'm putting the teams in the order that I think that they will fi- they will finish in in the Central. And I I know both of you have studied diligently these show notes. Do you agree with who I put last, or who did you think I would put last? I think I think last place is easier to predict than first place. Okay. Last place is definitely going to be the Pirates. Yeah, I just don't think the Pirates made a bunch of exciting moves. and They didn't make much of an effort to give themselves really a push towards the front of the pack. And I think maybe that's on purpose, a little bit of a rebuild. But, you know, other teams, you can at least give the Reds some credit for going out and signing some people. But the Pirates didn't really seem to do that. I think the biggest moves the Pirates made uh, was just after the end of last season, uh, they fired their coach, Clint Hurdle, and they got rid of him. They got rid of the president, Frank Coonley, I believe his name was, and the general manager. So they got rid of all, they kind of cleaned house there at the front, Uh, came in with a new president, Travis Williams, 
and and he was the one in charge of making the Bucks more competitive. And so he's rebuilding all this stuff there. And they hired a new coach, Derek Shelton, is his next is the next manager, and he might be one of those guys, you know, that just kind of is a band aid until they get competitive again. But he's a he's a small market coach with kind of familiar with a young clubhouse, so he's coming into a situation there in Pittsburgh. They were hoping that would definitely improve on the 69 games that they won last year. Yeah, a lot of time when you bring in new management from top to bottom, they always want to leave their own mark on it. They don't want to have to stake their whole career future on someone else's decisions, someone else's players. So they want to come in, get the guys that they want and they feel comfortable with, which you can't really blame them for, but that's that's usually how it goes. When you get a new management, you end up going through a couple years of rebuild. One of the interesting things about the Pirates from last year, they finished with a 518 team ERA, the fifth highest mark in the major leagues last year. Yeah, that's that's a that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean. And another the other thing they did last year, they didn't have any power. They only finished with 163 home runs, fourth fewest in the majors. But here's a weird thing: only the Astros struck out less as a team than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh collectively had a 265 batting average, which was third best in the National League. So not too bad, but only a 420 slugging percentage, so they didn't make it real far around the bases. But <laughs> yeah. they got on base. They got on base. And, and you know, that's what I looked at whenever I saw this team and I looked at those bats. You see a lot of great contact percentages, and you kind of scratch your head and go, why didn't they score more runs? And then you look at the home run rate, and you're like, okay, maybe that's the reason why, but just because they couldn't, they couldn't get anybody. They didn't play long ball at all. No, it seems like they had a they had a few higher average guys. You know, some guys that you hear of that will keep their average up, but they just don't contribute a lot elsewhere. And you don't have a lot of guys slugging it. Josh Bell started out real hot last year. You know, he looked like he was going to potentially lead the league in homers for a little while there, and then he kind of cooled off a little bit. But other than him, I mean, he had 116 RBIs. What is that, like half the teams for the entire season? I mean, that's just absurd. Josh Bell's first half, he did start out with 27 home runs at the beginning of the first half of the season last year. Finished the year with only 10. Now, I don't think he took a lot of at-bats towards the end of the year. Drastic difference between the first half and the second half of the season last year for him. Uh, did you have a boom, Bobby? You got a boom or a bust on uh, Pittsburgh? I'll I'll let you choose a boom or a bust. I'll I'll give you a boom. Uh, somebody who I'm really want to invest in uh, as a potential sleeper in my pitching staff is Mitch Keller. Uh, he's a young a young guy coming up. He's their top prospect on their on their top prospects list, but he is going to be in the starting uh, rotation. I think he's their best pitcher right now. Even with Trevor Williams, uh, I mean Chris Archer is not just not what he used to be. I think he may be their best best pitcher right now. He could definitely be their up and coming ace. Whether it's this year or not, we'll see. But I, I think I think I see uh, a, a good investment for uh, Keller. Now he only had 48 innings pitched last year, but his his FIP was 3.18. With that, and that that is a low FIP comparatively so to his what 7.13 ERA. So that there's a big difference there. Usually your ERA should match your FIP a little bit better than that. So we, Mitch Keller does have that promising, and he had 65 strikeouts in those 48 innings pitched. So 
an eye to keep uh, somebody to keep your eye on for sure. What about you, Tyler? You got anybody boom or bust? I'm I'm still you know nervous on Mitch Keller. I know a lot of people are are high on him right now, especially because of all those stats you just talked about. He shows that he should probably be a lot better than he was. And you know it was his first season up here, so I'm cutting some slack. And I think the price he was going at in the draft was probably fine for that risk. But a guy I'm really hoping for this year, and I drafted him myself later in the rounds, is Kevin Newman. He should hopefully, like you said, in a rebuilding team, get a lot of at-bats. And someone, I mean, that's someone who had a 308 average last year, 87.4% contact rate. So he was, you were talking about people, he they couldn't get any runs and they couldn't find anybody to bring people home. He was on base. He was hitting the ball a lot and he still only scored 61 runs and 493 at bats. So that's someone who I'm hoping will give me a, a good average. He's not going to give you a lot in the power department, but hopefully someone else on their team steps up a little bit this year, drives in some runs and he can be a good source of runs and average. Well, uh, you guys know I got brain issues and, and uh, maybe, maybe one too many car accidents that, We'll have to cover how many car accidents I've had in my life uh, <laughs> some other night. But b- between Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, I got all those guys confused in my head last year. I know they all got different names and everything, but whenever their little pictures would pop up on my, my phone, yeah, I got that little S4 phone, and, and whenever their pictures would pop up uh, on my phone from the um, Yahoo leagues, they all kind of looked the same on my phone. <laughs> and And when I looked at the stats, all their stats looked about the same, too. And I'd go over to the advanced stats, and they'd all look about the same. All of them, great contact hitters. Getting on base, it seemed like a lot. 300 hitters. Not all of them can steal 20 bases like Newman, I don't believe. But uh, I, I just got a lot of these players confused in my head for that play for the Pittsburgh Pirates because they all seem like good ball players, you know, solid baseball players. They just can't. they got to string it together a couple more times to get some more runs on the board. I thought the exact same thing, to be honest. Every time I kept getting Adam Frazier and Kevin Newman mixed up last year. I can't remember which one was which, but I took Kevin Newman this year in the hopes of, you know, if he can get 15-plus steals again, that's a guy who's not even in my starting lineup right now. It's someone I have to rotate in. That's that's pretty good value for 300, 300 hitter plus 15 steals. As long as you can get some runs, get a little help from the rest of the teammates, it's not it's not too bad to find later in the draft. All right, so let's move on to the next team here. We got the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers. And once again, we're looking for a boom. We're looking for a bust here with the Milwaukee Brewers. And they didn't do a lot in the offseason either, other than lose a player. They they, they lost Yasmani Grandal in the offseason. They replaced him with Narvez, who really, to me, looks like a just looks like Grandal. The same thing as Grandal will give him last year. Maybe not defensively, but uh, I think he'll be doing just fine at the plate. So I, I, I'm I'm taking Narvez as being Grandal's twin. I think he might actually be a little bit better, at least contact or average-wise, than uh, Grandal. Grandal might have a little bit more power, but Omar is a much better uh, average hitter than. Um, and, and I'm gonna say Narvez is coming from from Seattle and the numbers he put up in Seattle, you know, 22 home runs, 63 runs, 55 RBIs. Those could be a lot more playing for the Brewers this year who are a lot Mm -hmm. better offensive. They are a lot better offensively. Plus I think the ballpark is a little bit better in Seattle too. Milwaukee is always known as the hitters ballpark. I, I, Tyler, I think about this team and I I wonder where they would have been without Christian Yelich. 
And then I wonder whether or not Yelich can keep up this pace for another year. When you look at his home run to fly ball rate, his ISO, his BABIP, with a 77, 76% contact rate, that guy's in a league of his own. I, I, when I was looking at his advanced stats, I was going, holy cow, look at that. That guy is really an anomaly. <laughs> well, they don't just hand out the MVP trophy to anybody. But he's, I mean, when yeah, when you look up and down this team, if you just take his name out, you're not that impressed. And so for them to be as competitive as they have been, I think it really shows how good of a player he actually is. Now, this year they do have a few more players that are, are going to be exciting. You know, everybody's on the Keston Hira hype train. Uh, you know, he's a young guy they think could be a monster hitter. I'm actually looking for Lorenzo Kane to have a good bounce back season, too. I, I think he could be a good source of steals and, in a great position. I mean, anybody who bats around Christian Yelich should have you know, some good stats, if they bat in front of him, they should have good runs, as long as they can get on base. If they bat behind him, if they can get contact on the ball, they should have some RBIs. And as he pitches some steals, I think it, Lorenzo Cain, Keston Hira, they can have a few guys that actually make some fantasy noise this season and maybe give the Brewers batting lineup some life. In, in theory, you're right. But I think we've seen Lorenzo Cain's better days. Maybe he's just been battling too many injuries, but I've seen a lot of guys on that softball field battling injuries, too. The older they get, they just never bounce back the same. Uh, I've oh, seen yeah. Lorenzo Cain just, you know, going downhill a little bit over the last couple of seasons as far as fantasy stats go. Well, you know, the physical therapy that the softball players on our, our church league get is just about the same as what the Brewers get. So, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> that you can just compare softball players and baseball players and we'll expect similar results. I like the sarcasm in your voice. Oh. <laughs> All right, so Bobby, you are our pitching aficionado here on this on this podcast. Do you see anybody? That's the reason why I put these guys this low. When I when I thought about the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Reds, and my initial thought was, I don't know how I'm going to rank those guys. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to put them in the finishing spots. And then the closer I got to them. I, I it became clear to me that I needed to put Milwaukee here because of the pitching staff. I wasn't that impressed by it. What did you think? It's a big question mark. It's a really big question mark. You got a lot of good but not great pitchers. Uh, I would say the one possible exception being Brandon Woodruff. He was their best pitcher last year, but even he, you know, is good but not great, especially fantasy wise. I mean, you don't. You're not getting a ton of strikeouts. He's his ERA was three point six two, good but not great. Uh, WHIP was one point one four. That you know that's a good number. You want to see that, but it's just not something that you're gonna want to have as your as your ace or your you know your first of course your first fantasy pick as a pitcher. But everybody else is. I mean, just looking at the possible top five pitchers here, Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, Brett Anderson, Josh Lindblom. Who are these guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woodruff, you know, popped in, popped into fantasy lineups last season uh, unexpectedly a little bit. And uh, like you said, uh, can we count on him to do that again? I don't know, especially coming off an of injury. I believe he was injured last season. Yes. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Milwaukee Brewers slide down slide down to finish in last place. If you, if something happens to Yelich a little bit, 
if Hayer is on that slippery slope like I think he is, not necessarily. I know everybody, like you said, Tyler, everybody's on that Keston's train right now. But I think this, I think his stats leave a little bit of something to be desired. And that pitching staff, this is a team of veterans. And if we have a shortened season, if they get behind a little bit, they may just mail it in and wait till next year. You know, just just let the young guys get some. I could see this team finishing last. I could see them tanking because the veterans just don't want to waste their time with this year if they get a little bit behind. So uh, that's it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Brewers finish behind the Pirates, who are an up-and-coming team, kind of hungry. But, it, you know, it all depends on either one of those pitching staffs, I guess. I wouldn't necessarily think that they're going to finish last. I think there's enough talent on this team, including their pitching staff, that they'll keep them out of last. I think there's almost no ifs, ands, or buts that the Pirates are going to be last. I could see the Brewers as high as second if if everything comes together for them. I, I think they have some good chances for one bounce-back players like like Lorenzo Cain was mentioned there. And you have somebody, hopefully, to take over the shortstop position because Arcia is just not a starting shortstop in this day and age. And and, and hopefully Ur- uh, Urias will, will come and take that away from, from him and cover that for the next few years. I think he's a really good candidate for a, uh, for a bench steal. And you might want to grab him. He's second base, shortstop eligible. He could be a, a possible steal for your for your bench and plug and play. I know that this is not exactly what you want to hear, Wes, but I think the competitiveness of the Brewers will kind of depend on the, the rest of their division, as usual. You know, if the rest of the division's not pulling away, then there's no need to tank it. Might as well see if you can sneak in the playoffs. And I, this division, I just don't think can. Every now and then they can pull away if the Cardinals have a decent season, if the Cubs have a decent season. But this is not one of those teams, one of those divisions where you find a team that you just know is going to run away with it no matter what. I'm, I'm not trying to insult your Cubs there, but just <laughs> that's my take on that. Maybe they're all uh, evenly mediocre. Is that what you're trying <laughs> to say? Evenly mediocre. Yes, that's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Impact today. You can get in touch with us at FI Today on Twitter with a little underscore afterwards, or you can email us fantasyimpacttoday at yahoo.com. We always want to encourage everyone to go out and find a way to make an impact in your world today. 